Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we are celebrating probably uh, uh, something that most people don't tend to, to celebrate or uh, uh, to uh, signify in their life. One of the things that uh, uh, if you look at uh, the rest of the world, one of the uh, uh, aspects of, of life is, is what constitutes the greatest day in history. You know, there's actually a, a book by the name of, uh, uh, by that name, The Greatest Day in History. And uh, it kind of uh, makes, uh, begs the question, what is the greatest day in history? Well, if, if, uh, if I were to ask that of you, uh, you'd probably come up with something and, and we could come up with a hundred different answers, most likely, uh, without repeating the same one, it'd be easy to, to come up with a different response as to what's the greatest day in history. This particular book that I mentioned uh, actually has uh, uh, November the 11th, 1918 at 11 o'clock a.m. And for those of you who are veterans of, of uh, war, uh, you and you probably know exactly what that date signifies that time that's the time and date of uh, the uh, cessation of hostilities and the signing of the treaty uh, that ended World War One. and uh, all of us uh, uh, we uh, are aware of, of uh, uh, that date and, and it's a great day in history but the date that I think most of us in, in this place today would consider as the greatest day in history is the day that we're celebrating today. Uh, the day in which Jesus Christ rose from the grave. The day, uh, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this yesterday as uh, we were having uh, preparing for our time out here of, of celebration uh, with uh, you know, a cookout and, and the Easter egg hunt and all that kind of thing. We we had a lot of uh, good times yesterday, but if we were to uh, roll back history and place ourselves in the time in which uh, Jesus uh, lived, yesterday was probably one of the darkest days in history. Yeah. Yesterday was the day after the day, uh, you know, the whole world for these people came crumbling down. Uh, Friday, you know, we don't, in Baptist uh, life, we don't tend to, to uh, really celebrate Good Friday uh, or observe Good Friday the way that uh, those who are more liturgical in, in their practice. You know, you've got Monday, Thursday the, is the day that, that uh, is commemorated for the day of the Lord, uh, Last Supper, the day in which uh, Jesus got together with His disciples to uh, celebrate the Passover and the day right before Jesus is to be uh, betrayed. 
and then uh, the day of his betrayal, and then uh, Good Friday is the day in which uh, Jesus was crucified, and and you know uh, uh, there's a lot to be said for. Uh, uh, observing that, you know, uh, there's so many times that we just kind of jump, don't we? We 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 celebrate uh, Christmas and we're all about the birth of Jesus, and then the next time we come together uh, and a real celebration is today, Easter. We just jump right over the the hard part, don't we? We don't want to. It's because we tend to not want to talk about the hard stuff. We don't want to talk about the uh, the the 40 lashes that Jesus received at the hands of the Romans. We don't want to talk about the, uh, the ridicule and the mocking that He observed with them plucking out His beard and, and beating Him on the face and then beating His head over the, uh, with the crown of thorns. We don't want to talk about the fact that He was, was nearly bludgeoned to death because we don't like to, to think about the, the blood of the cross. We don't like to think about the, the inhumanity that was seen in what happened to Jesus. But when we observe Good Friday, that's, that's what uh, is, is typically observed is the death of Jesus uh, on the cross. We tend to want to just overlook the, the fact that Jesus uh, was was nailed to the cross. We want to just skip over that because it's so much nicer to talk about the the empty tomb. It's so much nicer to talk about Jesus overcoming the grave. It's so much easier to to think about that than the than the humiliation, the uh the exhaustion, the the overwhelming sense of of doom that that is on Friday, the day of His death. But we can't get to His empty tomb if we don't first have His death on the cross. Jesus was... All of those things happened to Jesus. He was beaten. He was humiliated. He was bludgeoned. He was taken to nearly to the point of death before he even reached uh, Golgotha, before he reached the cross. And here Jesus is, uh, is exposed to all of the world. He was stripped of his garments. He was nailed to the cross. He was lifted up high in the air. The, the very force of the cross falling into the to the hole in the ground in which uh, it supported the cross, shocked his body so, drove all the air out of his lungs, and he had to use every ounce of energy. And uh, you know, you rem- you recall from reading scripture that that Jesus collapsed under the weight of the cross, and so he's already weak, and he had to use what what strength he had in reserves to be able to pull up on those nails that were driven through his hands and push on the, 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 the painful nail in his feet in order to be able to just gasp a little bit of air. And in those moments in which he gasped for air, 
He said things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said things like, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus loved us so much. And even in the midst of His his humiliation, in the midst of His agony, in the midst of His weakness, He was celebrating the love of God. And he He was rejoicing at the end of His task, of coming to the end of of overcoming sin. He died there on the cross and the world. We talked about this morning how when Jesus rose from the grave, that when the angel descended, the earth shook. And I I made the observation that, that... I believe the earth shaking when the angel descended was was the earth anticipating the resurrection of Jesus. Just as as Jesus when He uh, was uh, on Palm Sunday, when He was entering into Jerusalem on the colt and all of his, uh, all the people there were rejoicing and singing Hosanna and singing glory to God in the highest. And when the Pharisees were saying, hey, tell them to be quiet, tell them to, to, to hush, they shouldn't be saying things like that. And Jesus, what was His response? He said, hey, if they didn't rejoice, then the very rocks would cry out. I believe because the people weren't rejoicing at His raising from the dead, I believe the whole earth shook and said, Hallelujah! He is risen. But I believe that the earth shook. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died, the earth shook as well. And it shook with such violence that the graves were open and people rose from the dead and, and the veil was rent. I believe that that was the earth rejoicing at Jesus accomplishing His task. And God shuddering the earth because of the enormity of what happened. Here's God incarnate giving Himself up for us and allowing the sins of the world to come upon Him. Paul in in Romans chapter 7 talks about the problem of sin that Jesus solved on the cross. He says in Romans 7, 13, Therefore did what is good cause my death? Absolutely not. On the contrary, sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. He says, look, sin wasn't just sin for my sake. Sin was sin that, that good might come. Through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, I might understand salvation. Verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual. You know, when we talk about Easter, and when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we often will have people who will come and, and, and visit, and a lot of times it's new for them uh, to be sitting in the church because they regularly aren't here, and they're not used to, to church. And in those places where uh, there's visitors that have never been in church before, they kind of are experiencing all of this for the first time, and they don't understand what's going on many times. And, and what, what really Paul is putting in uh, a... 
a, a pinpoint to is, is that sin is what caused Jesus to die on the cross. Sin is why uh, we have the cross of Calvary. It says we know that the law is spiritual. And a lot of times uh, people will say, you know, if you go and talk to people uh, in the street and in in uh, the neighborhoods, if you go talk to people on the sidewalks in the city and you ask them, you know, do you think you're sinful or do you think that you're uh, uh, a sinner going to hell? And they'll say, oh, no, 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 I'm a good person. I, I'm a pretty good person. And, and uh, Paul is saying, look, sin is the reason for the law. And, and for the Jewish person, what they're talking about is, is the Ten Commandments, the law. This was something that was a part of the Jewish person's life. And for a lot of us that aren't Jewish, you know, most I don't think anyone here is, is Jewish. And if they are, I apologize if I uh, misspeak uh, or anything. But, but what the law is, is, is it, it was their whole life. It was all about what they had to to seek to accomplish, they had to follow the law. They had to be people of the law. They uh, and and that was because they saw the law as the way for salvation. They saw the law as the way of of pleasing God. And if they didn't follow the law, then God was going to come and and was going to to bring, come in and and just kill them all. You know. Uh, Reading through the Bible, if you read through the whole Old Testament, you'll hear about uh, situation after situation in which the children of Israel did things wrong and, and God came in and brought judgment. And so the Israelites came to understand they needed to follow the law to keep God from coming in and judging them. Today we don't have that problem. Most people don't think about being judged of God. And uh, if I was to to ask you, you know, you think you're a good person. Most people would say, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I don't go out and kill people. I'm a pretty good person. I, I don't steal from the bank. I don't uh, rob banks. I don't go out and, and defraud uh, millions and millions of dollars like some of these uh, 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 white-collar criminals that defraud people of their life savings. I don't go in and ruin people's lives. I don't, I don't r- drive my car into neighborhoods or playgrounds and, and kill people indiscriminately. I, I, I'm not the kind of person where I allow myself to go crazy where I, if I get so drunk, I'm not going to go and, and, and kill a bunch of people. You know, I'm a pretty good person, they'll say. Jesus says, look, if you look at God's standard, which is the law, then we've all broken it. We've all done something that is against the law of God. If we, uh, God's law says that we're not to place anything above God. But there's a lot of people that place things before God all the time. They don't. Uh, it's evident in the fact they don't come to church. They don't place God first in their life. Then the thing that's first and foremost in their life is is the party they had on Saturday night or the uh, the the trip to the lake on Sunday morning. They place that before God, or they they say, you know, well, it's more important that I spend time with my family out uh, going hunting, or that I spend time with uh, with my family out on the bass boat it's important for me to get rest on sunday you don't you just don't understand i work so hard and and i i've got to have time for me and so uh don't don't talk to me about all that well that's putting something else before god that's putting all those things before god that's okay if you don't think that uh you know it's it's god you're offending not me 
Uh, or there might be uh, uh, those who say, you know, well, I'm a good person. I, I, I don't really do anything bad. And, uh, but, you know, if you get to looking into their life, you'll find out that they might cheat on their taxes or they cheated on a test or they tell, told a lie uh, when they were younger or they tell a lie to their boss and say, you know, well, I'm sick when uh, really they want to uh, head off to the beach before uh, without... Uh, uh, going into work on Friday. They want to extend out their vacation a little bit. Oh, I'm feeling sick. <laughs> Call in sick so they can go on to the beach, have a good long weekend. Uh, you know, I'm not really a bad person, but the Bible tells us, the law tells us that we're all, all those things are sinful, even though we don't rate them as really bad sins. It's not killing people. It's not committing genocide. It's not uh, uh, causing mass destruction of, of people's property or anything, but it's still sinful. And so Paul here is talking about the, the consequences of sin. Sin, uh, breaking the law is a spiritual thing, and I'm made out of flesh, sold unto sin's power. For I don't understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And Paul's talking about himself personally. He says, you know, the thing, you know, if anybody asked, do you think the person who wrote the Bible is a good person? Oh, yeah, Paul, he, he was a great person. He wrote a bunch of books in the Bible. Paul says, look, no, I'm not, I'm not the great person. I, I commit sin in my life. He says, all the things that I know that I'm supposed to do, I don't do those things. And the things that I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do those things. I do the things I'm not supposed to do. I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. It's kind of like, men, it's kind of like that relationship you have with your wife. Your wife expects you to do certain things. You don't always do the things you expect, your wife expects you to do. And the things that, that she expects you not to do, sometimes you accidentally do those things. Well, Paul says, I, I have that relationship with God. I, I don't do the things I'm supposed to do sometimes, and, and I do the things that God doesn't want me to do. But he says, you know, that, that's who I am. He says, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law, and it's good. He says, look, the law proves that I am sinful because he says, I know that I'm, I'm doing those bad things. Well, Paul gets to the heart of the matter. He says, the sin is what caused Jesus to go to the cross. And sin is what uh, put Jesus there to rescue me, to take me away. He says in chapter 8, though, he gets to the good part. You know, I always, uh, I'm not one of those people that skips in a book. I, I'm one of those people that i got to read a book straight through. But there's other people in this world that love to read books differently and i never knew that that existed until robin came into my life she would read she read you know i i was a a serious reader but i uh she would uh, she had a way of reading i'd never seen before she'd read the first couple of chapters in the book get hooked on the book and then she'd skip over to the middle and find out what was going there then skip over to the end and find out how the book ended then she'd go back and read the rest of the way through uh, the way it was supposed to and I was thinking well I read the book you've already knew what was going to happen and you saw what 
happen in the end. But she said, well, it's just to get, keep me interested in the book. And I, I never realized that. I never understood that. But uh, let's get to the, heart, uh, to the end of the book. Let's get to the end of, of the story here because uh, we're running out of time. We're out of time, really. Uh, uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, Now after Jesus died on the cross, after Jesus was buried in the tomb, and that's really where we get to to today. He says, Now there's no condemnation. There is no conviction of sin. That's what condemnation uh, he's talking about. He says, now there's not any more condemnation. Why? Because uh, if you're in Jesus Christ, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Jesus Christ offers you freedom the same way that if you... Listen, if you ever found yourself uh, at the wrong end of the law with the blue lights flashing woo, 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 behind you and uh, the policeman has already caught you and you've got handcuffs on and you're heading down to the jail and they're getting ready to, to fingerprint you and put you in the, in the pokey. It's always great to have a lawyer that's able to come in and is able to say, you know, I got this taken care of. Listen, uh, uh, here's the bail. Let, uh, let him out. And then uh, when you go stand before the judge, the lawyer stands up there with you and he says, you know, I've got this, don't worry about it. And he talks to the judge and he talks to the other lawyer and he says, look, we're going to do it this way and, and we'll take care of all this. And he gets you out of it. He gets you out of jail. He keeps you out of jail and he, he gets it completely expunged from your record. Isn't that great? Yeah, a great feeling. Here you are, you're feeling as though, man, I'm going to be spending a long time in jail. I'm going to be getting to know some, some ugly men a lot better than I really want to get to know them. And, and then, the, then the lawyer comes along and he says, no, we're going to let you out. We're going to send you home so you don't have to get so friendly with Big Pete over there. And uh, so he, he gets you off scot-free. Uh, that's what... Paul is saying about Jesus. He says, because of what Jesus Christ did for you, He set you free of all those things that you know for a fact you're guilty of sin, you're guilty in your sin, you're guilty of all of those things. And your, uh, the sin in your life would condemn you to a life of separation from God. But Jesus came in and He set you free because He, he did more than just good lawyered you. He came in and paid the price for you. He didn't just put the bail in. He said, hey judge, put it on me. Put it on me. I'll take care of it. I'll pay the price. Whatever He's done, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take care of it. And that's what Jesus did. He paid the price for our sinfulness. He paid the price for what we've did, done wrong. And it doesn't matter what we've done wrong. It doesn't matter if we've, uh, if we've lied and cheated, if we stole, if we've taken things from other people, if we've, if we've really made a royal mess of our life, even if we've killed somebody. Jesus comes along and He says, I will take all of it 
Look what he says in verse 3. He says, What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a, sign, uh, as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement might, would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those whose lives are according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh, but those whose lives are according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Look, God came in and He said, Look, you have to pay a price. You know, nothing, uh, uh, they, like they say, nothing's for free. Well, you don't get out of, of jail scot-free you don't get out of, of paying the penalty for free. Somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to come along and pay the penalty. And Paul here said, look, Jesus came along and paid the penalty. That thing you did that you don't think that anybody could ever forgive you for, that you don't want anybody to ever know, that you don't want the person sitting next to you to ever find out about you. And listen, all of us have those things. I've got those things. You've got those things. Everybody here's got those things. Praise the Lord. We don't have, you know, those uh, Google glasses where everybody sees everything you see and everybody knows exactly what you do because all of us would be ashamed. But Jesus came along and He says, you know, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that thing that you don't want anybody to know about that thing that you think is, is so bad that you would never want anybody to find out. I've got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll pay the price. And that's what Jesus did. He paid the price so that we don't have to be in the payment. It says Jesus came and paid the price so that we could be in Him, that we could be in the Spirit, not in the flesh. What that's talking about is, is that we can be in, in Christ Jesus like we were supposed to be all along without any sin in our life. That's what Easter is all about. It's Jesus paying the price, but not only paying the price and staying in the grave, He paid the price so that we'd be alive, so that we could be alive with Him, so that we could... Look, if all that Jesus did was pay the price and, and stayed in the grave, then when we came to the end of our life, we might, uh, we, when we accepted Jesus into our heart, all of the sin that we'd done it, it would be forgiven, but, but we'd mess it up in another way, or, or we would... Uh, we just wind up not being with God because of the sin that, that had been a part of our life. But here, Jesus not only paid the price for our sins, but He made it so that we could be with Him for all eternity. He conquered death in the grave. For the mindset of the flesh is death. We would die regardless of what, uh, what we think that we can get out of on our own. But it's through Jesus Christ that we have life and peace. 
He says, you, however, are not in the flesh. Why? Because you're in the Spirit, because you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and life. When you accept Jesus into your heart and life, you're no longer the same way you are before Jesus. You're not condemned under the same... You're not pl- it's like... It's like playing Monopoly. You know, in some families, Monopoly, you just can't play with the family because everybody gets all upset. Everybody, do y'all get in arguments when you play Monopoly? Do y'all have problems when you play Monopoly? Well, I don't know. Anyway, when you play Monopoly, sometimes you get in an argument because one person's playing under one set of rules and somebody else is playing under a different set of rules. What if you went into playing Monopoly and every, everything you did was allowed? You could go in and you could take other people's property. You could go in and take other people's money. You could go around and every time you pass, uh, uh, go to jail, you get all the money in the pot instead of waiting until you time you landed on it or whatever. You could do all. No matter what you did, you got you won. You won everything. You got all the money. You got all the property. It, it'd be great to do that, wouldn't it? But everybody, you. But everybody else is playing by the, the rules. Everybody else is is playing by the rules, where it says that you got to land on property to buy it. You got to have money to pay for it and all that. Well, they're, that'd be like they're playing under the flesh. They're pa- playing under a set of rules where they got to follow all the rules. But if you're in there and you're doing whatever you want to, that's like living in the Spirit. You're living by a different set of rules. Not that you can cheat when you're in the Spirit, but that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that everything, you're, you're, when, you, when you're in Jesus Christ, you're playing by a different set of rules. Jesus has paid the penalty for your sins. Jesus has taken away your sins and He's allowed you to not only be free. It's, you know, if I was to come and get you out of jail because of something you did, then that would be just for that one day. But when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, that's for every day. Every day, whenever you make a mistake, whenever you you get into trouble, whenever, every time that you did something wrong, Jesus paid the price for all of those times, not just that one time. And then He also allows you to come and to be able to be with Him in all of eternity. And that's what Easter's all about, is to have a relationship, not just simply having your payment, the payment of your wrongs taken care of, but being becoming a part of the family, becoming a part, a child of God, becoming a part of His family, so that we could come together and be with Him for all eternity. It's, and what Paul is saying here is, is that we're not living under the flesh anymore. We're living under the Spirit. So now he says, "Look, you're not condemned by the law. You don't live under the law anymore." When, we, when you accept Jesus into your heart and life, you don't play uh, under the law. You play in the Spirit. You live in the Spirit. So today, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we need to remember what it's all about. It's not just simply about Jesus not being in the tomb. It's about Jesus being victorious over death and the grave and hell so that we might be a part of the family of God, that we might accept Jesus in our heart and life. And so my question for you today is, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and life? Is it important that Jesus died on the cross for your sins 
and that He was buried, and then He rose on the third day. Did, have you accepted that into your life? Now, I'm not talking about just simply agreeing with it or believing in it like you believe in Santa Claus or Easter Bunny or anything like that, or, or believing in it like you even believe in oxygen or gravity or anything like that. What I'm talking about is believing it in terms of that you accept Jesus into your life. You see, if you were to be put in jail today, because the police found drugs in your home or in your car or they found out that you had uh, robbed a bank or that you'd killed somebody. If they were to come and take you off into jail and take you away, then you'd be in a lot of trouble and you'd need a lot of help. You'd call up a lawyer and you'd say, I need some help. I need to get get off. I want to be I want to be able to be, get off from this this uh, this charge. And to be get to get out of jail is one thing, but to be set free, to be set free is different. Forever after you're arrested, whether you committed the crime or not, there's always a little something in some people's minds that says. Yeah, he did that. Yeah, he was lucky. He got out of... He got... he To some technicality. Or he went off to jail, had to pay the price, and there he is. He, he, there's that guy. He, he always... You'd all, you'll always carry around with you that little bit of something in you as the person that did this or this or this. Even if you were completely innocent, somebody's going to look at you and say that. But with Jesus... He comes in and He says, not that you were innocent. He says you were guilty. And I'm going to pay that price for you. Not only are you, are you going to have that penalty taken away, I'm going, to, I'm going to make you scot-free. I'm going to make it as if you are a newborn child. When you're a new baby, when you're a little baby, nobody expects a baby to hold up a bank. I always laughed at those cartoons where they showed the little baby, uh, the little short guy who pretended to be the baby, and he's sitting in there in, in the crib, and he's googling and gaga and everything, and then all of a sudden he's he's got a cigar in his mouth and he's got a gun in his hand. You know, nobody expects a little baby to uh, to do any of those things because they're innocent. They don't know how to do these bad things. You don't expect a little baby to have done anything wrong because they're the image of innocence. And every time you see a little baby or a little a little toddler that barely can't even know how to, to talk yet, they're the image of innocence. That's what God wants to make you back into, the image of innocence. Not through not knowing what you're doing wrong, but through the, the payment of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary to make you innocent once again. To make you as if you'd never committed a sin. That's what we call justification. That's that big word. It just means just as if you'd never sinned. Just think of it in that way. Justification. That's what God wants to do for you. To make it as if you'd never sinned. But not only that, He wants to make it as if sin never entered into the world. That sin never ever existed. He wants to make you into a new creation so that you're always not just somebody who might go on and sin again, 
but change your whole person, change your whole, whole personality so that you don't want to sin anymore, that you don't want to have anything to do with those things so that you can be the person that God wants you to be, so that you can be the kind of person that God created you to be from the very beginning. That's what God wants to do today in you. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and life, that's what He can do for you today. You might say, well, how can that be? I I can't understand that. I just don't see it. It's not what you do. It's what He's done. It's what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. He paid your penalty. All you've got to do, you've got to accept it though. You've got to accept what He's done. He can't, you can't just simply get off by the fact that He did it. You've got to accept his, the gift of His love, the gift of salvation. Once you accept Him into your heart and life, that's when the change begins. The Spirit of God begins to work and move in your life. And he changes you from what you were to what He wants you to be. That's what He offers for you today. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You'd help us to see your love, to see what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary is not as defeat, but as victory. To see what, what He did the third day of raising from the dead, not as just simply something that we think about on Easter, but as the culmination of His victory and what He desires for us in our life, that we would have a new life in Jesus Christ. Lord, If there's someone here today that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, there's someone here today that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would accept that gift today, that they would make you a part of their life. Now allow you to transform their life from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.